this is Jen Gibson, and this is Brain Weasels. This is a short episode featuring clips from previous episodes that you might have missed. The subject is the power of story. Enjoy. Story is how we reconcile who we are with who we thought we were. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful line, yeah. And, That's true. And, 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 and giving us the ability either by watching somebody else's story or by playing out a different story on our own giving us the ability to explore those parts of ourselves that either we've hidden or Mm -hmm. we didn't recognize or that we wish were there. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of this, I think this is really one of the things that's that's great about living when we do is that all of these stories are out there now Mm -hmm. and that we can go out and we can read all this. Oh, well, I'd never thought about that. Maybe, this applies to me somehow. And yeah. for, for all the negative drawbacks that come with the Internet, the fact that we are now more connected than we've ever been, and it's made the world smaller, that's a good thing. I, yeah. I, I, the fact that now not only do you feel less isolated because people like you are closer and you can hear, you know, stories where you're like, okay, that's, that's me. I'm not completely alone out there, but it's also one of those things where it's like, I I can hear stories from people I never would have gotten to meet if I had lived at any other point. And I think that's important to not just my growth as a person, but like humanity's growth overall, I would say. And, uh, you know, so a lot of bad can come from internet stuff but you're absolutely right and i think that's why i'm i'm super into advocacy stuff you know i we're very much um we live loudly so others don't die quietly is kind of our motto because you never exactly know like your voice your story this is why anytime somebody says well somebody's already done my idea in a book or something and and my thought is well but every single again the breadth of human experience every single story is going to be different because you're the one telling it. You could do your own rendition of Snow White, which has been done a million times, and it will still be different because you're the one who told it. Yeah. And that makes every single voice valuable in telling stories. You never exactly know who you're going to reach or who's going to have, you know, okay, well, the greater, you know, scope of these experiences I relate to and apply to me, but your very specific experiences are the ones that are so close to mine. I feel connected and I feel no longer like I'm, you know, on my own little island with, you know, that no one has ever suffered this much or had these things happen you know, my whole life. Now I know there's somebody else because, you know, very, very specific circumstances apply. But yeah. You know. I get a lot out of noir uh, movies because I don't see a whole lot of noir video games, actually. There's, there's really there's, just not yeah, a lot. There's some, or there's some that uh, are cross genre. Like, like because, I feel like Red Dead Redemption is one of those. But, but because it's video games are geared twister. around trying to provide you with dopamine, right? They're yeah, trying to yeah. give you, they're trying to reward you. And noir is not rewarding right uh it allows you to experience a completely different set of brain chemicals and and whatnot uh it Mm -hmm. allows me to experience grief and disappointment and uh fear and kind of a loathing sense in a safe space and then when the story's over i go back to my daily life um recently one of one of the things that i watched was midnight mass which is a supernatural noir and i did not expect Mm -hmm. i didn't know what it was going to be when i got got into it and it just became that and i was like oh and i had a really cathartic cry during that entire show um there's a lot of trigger warnings so if you do go into it please be careful if yeah. you if you've never watched it before there's a lot of harm to animals i always preface that yeah. with it it is a great show though um 
but I didn't know that. Nobody warned me about that going into it. But <laughs> I get the same satisfaction out of a show like that as I did when I played L.A. Noir. But L.A. Noir was interesting because it gave me the dopamine uh, while I was experiencing the story. So it was almost like a clash of chemicals yeah. because I'm a detective trying to solve problems. I'm completing tasks. And it's carrying me through this story that has a noir ending. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I, I left that game not really sure what to think about it because mm. I, I was kind of having some mixed feelings, and I'm only now realizing that's that's exactly why. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, there's a there's definitely there's there's a lot of room with video games and narrative to to tell a story completely differently. I think because uh, not only are you asking the player to engage with your story and interact with it um, and make certain choices, it, it's also the way that you can choose to tell the story is different there's a lot of games that are that are known for that sort of thing where uh you know um there's one that's really deceptive because it's uh spec ops the line is one we like it's a very nothing special traditional first person shooter thing um about uh war in the middle east and dubai specifically and then uh you know so it looks like a standard war game on top but no it's like a psychological noir thriller almost horror game uh because the entire time you're doing this you're progressively being asked to do more and more heinous war crimey type stuff and the game basically the the narrative very subtly begs you to quit playing that the whole point of playing the game is you really could put your down the gun at any time but you don't so when you get to the ending which is absolutely one of the most devastating bad unsatisfying endings and there are no alternatives the only alternative was turning the game off in the first place Hmm. it's a kind of a big shock the first time you go through when you start realizing how quickly it goes downhill and what you're asked to do and the fact that you do it because the game told you to except it didn't it actually repeats frequently that you could just stop you could just go home Mm. and then the question becomes a little bit more meta about like well okay but and, uh, you know, one of the big popular the ones, yeah, yeah, Undertale is also one of those done this where it's like, well, but wh- where we leave a story in our mind, is that really where it ends? What does that mean? If I save my game and I turn it off right now, does everybody stay in the same state that they were when I started playing because I didn't finish it? And if I finish it, then, you know, have I done something wrong because I've concluded the story and I've chosen to do so? So this is now how it ends. And then if I delete my save and I start over and I try to do it differently or I want to turn it off somewhere on principle, can I change the fact that I did it differently the first time? I love that stuff, actually. (laughs) I get a kick out of that kind of thing, you know. Um, I don't even care if it's pretentious. I just think it's fun. It's interesting. Do you start thinking about your own decision-making in your real life? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, how many things are we actually, like, do we actually have to do that we think we have to do? How much stuff could I just put down and walk away from? How much stuff do I really have control over if what I really want is to make a specific choice? I might not get what I want out of it. I might not see the end of it. But at what point is it worth it to me? At what point is it actually necessary? Like, narratively, it's fiction. Does it matter? No, not really. But in circumstances where it does, is it worth it to me to make this choice because I think I have to? Or is it worth it for me to 
just stop what I'm doing or or to make a different choice because I can. Is it worth it for me to create a new character because I'm tired of the one I'm playing, you know? <laughs> Is it worth it for me to delete the save file and start over? At what point do I actually make the choice to stay, especially in a situation that uh, is harming me and things like that. Are we were going to talk about in and out, inside out, inside out, inside out, in and out, inside out. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. And you said you have a lot to say. About I do. Inside out. <laughs> I do have a lot to say about that movie <laughs> because I avoided watching it for a long time. But then I sat down and I watched it. I'm like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I'm so Aww. glad I watched it. Um, <laughs> it's so good because it uh, it's about childhood trauma and how people process it with a like the normal average like a, a typical brain processes a traumatic event. That's what the movie's about. It is about emotions. It is about experiences. But this is about uh, Riley processing a move and this is registering as trauma to her because she's taken out of everything that makes her happy and thrown into a new environment that is dirty that she doesn't like that uh, in a school where she doesn't feel connected to anybody so all of her connections to her friends are severed completely that would traumatize any child and so let me preface that by saying that most people need to rethink what they think of as trauma Mm -hmm. trauma is not just being kicked and laying in a corner and being kicked or um or being physically abused sometimes it's just moving sometimes it's just your dad lost his job and you're experiencing his emotions at home sometimes it's just um your parents won't pay attention to you because they're not home all the time or ever you're being emotionally neglected that's traumatic for a child as an adult you can deal with that because you have the coping skills to be able to process through that riley doesn't because Riley is in middle school or, or junior high or something, and she doesn't have those coping skills. So we get to go inside her brain and figure out this is what happens when a person experiences a traumatic event and how their brain processes things pretty naturally. So the first thing that we see happen is like everything's like normal, you know, like we have joy. That's the first thing that, that comes to out and then sadness and then like the gang's all here by the by the, the movie setup. And then the traumatic event happens mm-hmm. and they're like, OK yeah maybe this isn't so bad you know trying to find the joy in it find the joy because joy is being very aggressive and we must be happy all the time and the parents are like oh you're just so happy all the time we really appreciate we need you to be that right but you can't when you're going through trauma you can't be joy that's why joy and sadness get sucked up because joy is you know ideally that's what you want to you know that's your your happy state right Sadness isn't just sadness. Sadness is empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadness is connection. She feels no connection, so sadness has to go because she's not feeling connected to her parents right now because they don't understand her. Right. Uh, she can't like, she can't empathize with her friends because they're so far away and they're not connected to her life in any way. She can't connect with the people around her because she doesn't know these people. You know, so those two emotions go away. So then you are left with. Dis- like uh, disgust, which is judgment. Yeah. Uh, she's the, another name for her would be judgment, fear, and anger. You're angry because you didn't get a choice in all of this. You know, you didn't choose. Like, if it were her choice, she wouldn't move. Hell no. Why would I move? Why do I move? Because you got a new job or mm-hmm. new position. That's that's bullshit. So a boundary has been crossed. So anger is definitely sticking around. Fear because you're in a new place. You know, and it's 
weird and, and judgment is very active because you're really trying to understand your surroundings. So those three are very key to um, fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. You know, those are your responses for that. But connection and sadness are not a part of that. So they're visualizing in this movie what happens when you're put into a traumatic state and that into that panic state, that anxiety state. Um, and then we see some of the side effects start to happen. Some of your core memories fall away because they no longer apply to what you're experiencing right now. Mm. Um, so like a, a lot of her memory islands fall into the abyss. Uh, and that's tr- That's what happens when you're traumatized is you start to break down parts of your personality that are no longer serving you in this situation. A lot her like her like hockey islands gone because you don't want to play hockey right now. You don't feel safe. You can't really indulge into this thing that you really love. That was really a big part of your personality. Right now, you just you don't have that. So you stop enjoying the things that you enjoy. That's depression. You know, mm-hmm. it's um, so she's experiencing all of this and losing parts of herself. And she, you know, she lost her core memories is completely disconnected from who she used to be because she's trying to find out who she is now. Yeah. Um, so then as they go through, you know, these experiences, she starts acting in uh, Riley herself because sadness and, and joy are not here Riley herself is acting on fear, judgment, and anger. So she's emotional outbursts to her parents, mm-hmm. being condescending because she doesn't like what's happening. She's decided that she does not like what's happening. And fear is in, like, I'm going to up and leave. I'm going to go back to where things make sense because it is the only solution that my young brain can come up with. I'm going to run away yeah. from home. So in the midst of all this, sadness and joy come back uh, after having, like, gone and relived through parts of her life and everything, and they realize that pretending to be happy is not what Riley needs. What Riley needs is, it's not sadness. What Riley needs is is connection. So, and that might be, that might come from sadness, but it comes from vulnerability. It's not just Mm -hmm. expressing sadness. It is expressing anger and judgment and, and fear and, and sorrow because these things are deeply affecting you. So it's like, it's interesting because a lot of her islands after this experience, after she reconnects with her family, now that they understand how much this has affected her, they can start the healing process. And then we see like family islands start to really grow, you know, and um, hockey island gets reestablished and all of her islands, not just don't just, they don't come back, but they, they're different now. You know, we see how Riley grows as a person through the experience. And that's the normal process of going through a traumatic event, reacting to it, finding connection uh, in your support network and healing from it. That's how it ideally should go. So it's very interesting to see that portrayed on screen because then it makes me understand more of what happens when that process is interrupted. You know, what what if it what if Riley never gets out of fight or flight? What if it happens before? her core memories are really established at all. Maybe she doesn't have that many. How does, how does a person there? What if there's no islands to fall into the abyss? You know, how do you, how do you react when you're just afraid all the time from a childhood response? You're just constantly acting on fear and whatnot. And now the movie gets deeper too. It's like, you notice that not everybody has the same person in the driver's seat as Riley. She has joy her mom has sadness and her dad has anger. So, and then you see people who have fear 
Uh, and then you see the cat, which has like all of them all over the place, you know? <laughs> <laughs> which I really appreciated the little clips at the end. That was my favorite part. Um, but it just shows you, and it doesn't make anybody like, you know, I feel like they, they went with the standard, like the mother should be more compassionate. So she has empathy driving, right? You know, um, and the dad should be more aggressive. So he has anger driving. But then I feel like it, that's the only thing about it where I'm like, you kind of cheapen things. I would like to see, you know, um, the mother have like judgment driving, yeah. you know, because that's that happens too. Or I would like to see a main character with fear driving because it's not just fear. It's about awareness, like uh, environmental awareness, social awareness. That's what fear does is like mm-hmm. it tries to keep you safe because it's keeping you aware and that's hypervigilance. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people, um, I feel like it's interesting. I would love to see a social interaction between one person who has sadness slash compassion in the driver's seat and one person who has fear in the driver's seat, but they're both portraying the same thing. And like they're listening and interacting with this person. One of them's doing it from a place of empathy and the other one's doing it of how can you hurt me? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like I'm going to be very aware of what you're saying so that, that I know I understand you so that you're no longer a threat to me. Like, so there's a little bit of a, you know, I, I would love to see a movie get more into that, but we only have, like, it's a Pixar film. Mm-hmm. We only have an hour and a half to cover all these bases, so. Yeah. You should write fan fiction. Oh, yes. <laughs> Inside out fan fiction. Inside out fan fiction. <laughs> oh, goodness. I think that would be neat because you're so, you have such insight on it. And uh, I think it would be just really interesting. That's our show today. Thank you for listening. 